This program is supported by Altus Learn. Did you know that 89% of employees say, if my employer invested in my training, I'm more likely to stay with the organization long-term? An Altus Learn Imaging Campus has the required education for imaging centers to meet annual ACR, IAC, and Joint Commission requirements for radiation and MRI safety and CT dose reduction. An imaging campus not only provides the annual required education, but also provides the imaging center techs with access to over 200 CEs, which are accepted by the ARRT. Including CEs published on the RADCAST podcast, imaging technologists can track all of their CEs through the CE wallet, and imaging center leaders can check the compliance status of each of its team members. Learn more at the bottom of RADCAST.com and click on Get a Campus. So we want to welcome everybody. We've got a big group today. Um, we've got all, all of our good folks back. And today we're going to talk about another kind of testy topic. We're going to talk about bullying. And um, I will say that Jordan uh, published, he did the research and published on bullying, especially in radiation therapy departments, and did that several years ago, what, four, six years ago. So, But before we get started, I wanted to say that when we very first began this, and Jordan and I have worked in some capacity on this for several years now, um, Dusty and Mary have been a part of this as we've grown this group. Um, when we started this, even though the CE credits are nice, what we wanted to do was be able to have conversations, have real conversations that you may not be able to have in your department, um, to let you know that you're not alone, um, and to just really address some things that may not be addressed in the manner in which, um, you know, you feel like anything productive is being done. So one thing I wanted to do real quick before we got rolling here is read some of the feedback that we've gotten on some of our previous shows. So I know lots of you um, keep coming back and coming back and we really appreciate that. But if, it, if you wanted to share with anybody else, I wanted to read a little bit of the feedback that we had gotten. Um, somebody said that they liked that it was interactive and that was what, that's why we, chose this format. We chose this format so that we could bounce ideas off each other, so that you could type in questions, so that Jordan could mine those questions for us and we could answer those while we were live. Um, somebody else said that it was a great discussion that's relevant to many areas of imaging services and that everybody, we are all experiencing this right now. Um, someone also said it was an interesting topic that was relevant. Somebody said that it was applicable to lots of fields and that they appreciated that in a um, in contrast, maybe, to reading a book and doing a quiz or reading an article and doing a quiz, that this was a different format. It was a format they felt like they could be engaged in. And once again, you still get that CE credit. And then there um, in the Jordan fan club section was a comment that said the male speaker is amazing. So I'm not sure who said that, but, um, you know, whatever, Jordan um, is amazing, apparently. So I um, wanted to read some of that to you because that's kind of part of this. Getting in touch with you, being able to engage with you, um, being able to provide information that could could make a difference, could make a difference in the way that you see some different things, the way your perspective may change. So let's dig into this bullying um, the cancer in the department. And um, like I said, Jordan did the research on this and he presented on it or he's presented on it and he's published on this. So Jordan, I'm going to let you give just since you're the amazing one of us, I'm going to let you give an overview of 
of your research. And then we're going to do some poll questions and kind of see how prevalent this um, issue of bullying is in your department. Yeah, I mean, to start off, you know, I think it's most organizations have a bully, okay? Um, it never ceases to amaze me that how one person's decisive behavior uh, can permeate the entire organization like a cancer. And that being said, uh, back in 20, I guess, golly, 2010, 2011, 2012 is when I did my research, um, was really to look at <clears throat> what is, what's the impact on obviously patient safety, but what's the impact on personal health and that kind of stuff of what's going on in the department. Um, now, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years later, HR takes this a lot more serious because it's gotten a lot of publicity, uh, both in and out. You know, we had uh, back in the day, they had the uh, Penn State, um, the send like the, the abuse, the bullying and abuse, the Sandusky scandal, a lot of those sports scandals um, where they had the gymnast coaches and stuff like that. So it's gotten a lot of attention. And now people are like, you know, not as inclined to turn a blind eye to it, but there's a lot of harmful effects. And so that's what the research was about. Um, and, you know, lots of organizations in healthcare, we really see a lot of it. Um, and there are lots of reasons why there's lots of types of bullies. Um, stress is a big factor. Obviously, we're under high stress times right now, so that probably is a big driver, but we'll talk about all that as we go through this. Well, I think the way for us to get started is let's just throw up that first poll question, Ted. The one, um, that very first one, have you ever witnessed or experienced bullying in your workplace? So let's throw this poll question up and just kind of see how people are responding to that um, to see what, what people think about the, about the prevalence of bullying in their workplace. Yeah, we'll go over the poll. And as we're doing that, I'll just tell you that the definition of really workplace bullying is the repeated health harming mistreatment of one or more persons by one or more perpetrators. And it could be threatening, humiliating, intimidating, um, workplace interference, verbal abuse. What's important to note is NIOSH is the National Institute on Occupational Safety and Health actually defines bullying as a workplace, a form of workplace violence. So uh, just just that as y'all are filling in um, answers to the poll. So Ted, we'll give it just another second. Looks like we've got about three quarters of the folks voting so far. So um, if you want to put if you want to put those results up there, um, I'm, I don't know if this will surprise people or not. So if you want to throw those results up there so we can all see them. And so, yeah. overwhelmingly, um, you answered that you have witnessed or experienced in some capacity bullying in your workplace. So 86% so, uh, of you have been been party to that, whether you, you witnessed it or were a recipient. I hope you weren't the perpetrator, but um, that would be an experience as well. So um, Mary, how about if you could, because I know you come from kind of a different um, set from what Jordan would be discussing on the education side, what do you think what do you think students experience with bullying might be i think their experience is probably twofold it's either in a clinical environment or it's with an instructor or i guess i should say trifold or with another student um so i think that dynamic is um it's probably a little bit harder to navigate because you're gonna have to navigate each of those levels differently so if i'm dealing with a, someone in my clinical environment i'm going to treat that situation than if i'm dealing with a peer or if i'm dealing with an instructor um, the other thing that we run into especially um, in my current job is you have me for two and a half years 
So you don't get away from me. If you, <laughs> you think I'm a bitch the first day, I'm sorry. Like you're stuck with me for two and a half years. Um, so that's where as, as a program director, I have to make sure I cultivate an environment of openness. It's not an open door policy is not enough. I have to go out and I have to reach out to students. I have to reach out to clinical people um, because waiting for people to come to you, especially in an environment when you're trying to deal with bullying is not sufficient as a leader. You have to go out, you have to dig in the trenches, you have to figure out um, what's wrong and why it's wrong. So um, that's just kind of one dynamic that I can give some input on. So Jordan, I was gonna ask you, um, Dusty, I'll get to you here in just a second. Um, Jordan, I was gonna ask you, what are some examples of bullying? So when you did your research, and I know you studied this quite a bit, what would you say if you had to pick the most common peer-to-peer, um, -peer, because Mary brought up a very good point, there are different levels of bullying. So if we were to look at peer-to-peer -peer bullying, what would you say were the most common you know, offenses that are, that are committed there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and before I go over those, just know that generally bullying, probably 50 50 over 50% of the time, it's a top down. Um, peer to peer is probably coworker to coworker, 33, 35% of the time, and then 10% of the time that it's bottom up, which is what we would expect. <clears throat> but some of those things that we talk about, it could be as simple as some type of incivility, um, threatening, humiliating, intimidating, verbal abuse, workplace interference, um, which may prevent somebody from getting their job done. Um, isolation is a big one. Those are things that we see uh, that we saw in the research. So those would be some of the examples. So Dusty, in another type of environment, if we're looking at um, what could be considered probably peer-to-peer, -peer, I guess there's a little bit of top-down bullying there. What experiences have you seen or what instances have you seen in, because Jordan noted that it's a behavior that prevents you from doing your job the way you need to, whether that's clinically or if you're in education or if, you know, if you're with a vendor or whatever, what instances have you seen that may be a little more peer-to-peer, -peer, even though Jordan mentioned that top-down's the most um, prevalent, what, what, how does that peer-to-peer -peer dynamic work and how can that affect your job um, output? I think peer-to-peer is -peer, um, probably the most difficult to deal with because this is someone that you work with on a daily basis, more than likely. Um, so it's going to affect your daily routine. It's going to affect whether or not you're willing to go into work that day. I think it's going to affect attendance uh, for employees, whether it be in an educational facility or whether it be in a uh, medical facility. Um, I've heard this numerous times. I just don't want to go to work today because of, and they can name that person. There's a face with it, there's a name with it, and it may not be the job, but it may be a person that's preventing them from wanting to go into work that day. So morale, um, I think is a big problem because if this bully is bullying numerous people and not just singling someone out, then you have basically a cancer that's affecting the entire department. Um, so I think peer-to-peer -peer is oftentimes one of the more difficult to deal with. And it may be that that peer has a close relationship with a supervisor and then you end up with a top-down situation right. because that peer is leading a supervisor um, with a bullying situation as well. I think I'll just kind of 
you know, that kind of goes into the kind of segues into one of the things uh, that, you know, Cheryl was asking for examples, but to your point is, is favoritism is often something that's not same, but favoritism is definitely a form of bullying. And it could be as simple as certain people always get tasks delegated to them, or they have certain responsibilities that nobody has, or they get certain opportunities that nobody else gets. Um, we used to see this with inclusionary lunches. I know that sounds crazy, but like the boss always eats with the same two people and there's 40 other people. Again, we see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, work schedules, if you're in a hospital, certain people get certain schedules. Uh, it just, I think people don't think of that, but that's exactly some of those probably less um, aggressive behaviors, but over a long period of time, they have the same effect. So that brings up a good point, Jordan. I want to ask you about this and then we'll um, pass it down to Mary and Dusty as well. The different types of bullying. So you mentioned passive. What are some examples of passive bullying? And you said, you know, favoritism, that kind of thing. And how does that um, how does that compare or contrast to like aggressive type bullying, which you would think that surely that doesn't happen in an apartment, but surely it does. So what's the difference in like passive and aggressive sorts of, of bullying behaviors? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a great point. I mean, obviously um, it depends on the type of bully. Some bullies are generally the passive aggressive tends to be um, the more common type, um, but the behaviors, you know, you can have passive and aggressive um, types of each different subset of bullying. So, um, you know, we mentioned another passive one would be like like gossip. You don't think, um, but le there's levels of gossip, right? You can be very aggressive. I mean, it can be passive gossip or very aggressive uh, gossip. So, um, the reasons for ab being absent from your job, you know, when you put in for PTO, you don't have to tell. <laughs> through HR why you're taking off. If you do, that's your business. Um, but then if that were to get broadcasted through the department, again, that's probably more aggressive and active. Um, so um, we talked about a little bit of isolation, uh, destruction of workplace relationships uh, to Dusty, to your point. So either pitting staff against one another or sabotaging those vertical relationships. So then the employee has nowhere to go if there's an issue, they can't go vertically. That's probably more of an active behavior than a mm -hmm. passive behavior. Um, so hopefully that makes, makes some sense and gives some examples. Well, Mary, I think Dusty's example of one person being the bully in a big department and having a larger um, impact what do you think is, I don't want to say more common, but do you think there's one person that bullies one person or one that picks on one person, picked one person out? Or does that person seem, does that bully person seem to just kind of have that attitude towards everyone? Do you see it more of a singular thing or do you think that person is just kind of nasty to everybody? I think um, we're all seventh grade girls at heart to be honest. Um, I think I, like you see one person start it and then pretty soon there's three or four people that aren't necessarily partaking in that bullying, but you have to remember that even if one person is, is singular in doing that um, and they're picking people out, people somehow have the presumption that doing nothing is a neutral response and it's not. So if you, if it's just one person doing that all the time to someone and you're seeing it and you're not doing anything, 
again, your if your response is neutral, it's that, that doesn't mean you're not it's not nothing. Um, so I think I think the title for this, like a cancer within a department, is really applicable to the question you just asked me. Um, there might be one person, but I think that one person stems and it grows and it takes people and sucks them along with them. Um, work environments are click environments. Um, they just are. That's that's how it works. So um, it's no different. Like I said, seventh grade girl type of thing. Um, I think there's some of that that's applicable in the workplace. So I think you can go both ways. I think that one person starts, but I think they gradually suck everyone else in with them, um, probably out of fear. I mean, I watch you be terrible to someone. I don't want you to be terrible to me. So I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with you. Even if it's if I'm not partaking, if I'm doing nothing, then I am partaking. So Ted, I want to get ready for the next um, poll question, but I'm going to ask Dusty this. So this next poll question says, does your administration address or ignore instances of bullying? So Dusty, since you brought it up about one person being in the supervisor's ear and getting all the special attention, what does it look like when administration does not address bullying? So Ted, if you can throw that question up there real quick. Um, then we'll let Dusty talk about it a little bit while people are voting. What does it look like when, when administration does nothing, like Mary said, and that in and of itself is taking an action? So Dusty, what do you say about that? I think oftentimes um, administrations like to put forth that they are aware and that they are doing something when oftentimes they are not. Um, I do think that a lot of times ad administrators can be unaware, but oftentimes I think it's chosen to be ignored um, because it's hard to deal with. It's a difficult situation to address. It's a difficult situation to identify. So therefore, if we will all just ignore everything, then does that is it really happening? Um, I see this in multiple situations. I've seen this in the in the hospital environments with my students. I've seen this at my own institution and I've heard of this from colleagues as well. So it definitely affects the morale in the department and it affects the um, reputation of the organization as those employees go out and discuss their current job situation with others who may eventually become um, people who may work at that facility. I think it has a, a large impact. Okay. When, you get into, when you get into some of the data, we roughly, <clears throat> when they did a survey of a lot of your CXOs, your chief administrating officers, CEOs, COOs, CFOs, what we found was, you know, 68% of the time they said um, that bullying, they were aware of it and that it was a problem, but 70% of the time they said it was a problem that didn't occur at their institution. So it's somebody else's problem that's happening over there. It's not happening here, which we know is not the case. But I think that is um, that's important to remember as we kind of start talking about this. Um, and to Dusty's point about you know what are the effects, and then then we'll get into some of the why. You know why do people do um, bullying? Uh, like Mary was saying, is they they find a target, they find somebody that's maybe you know vulnerable vulnerable or weak. But then how come other people aren't speaking up? And I'll just tell you, Mary's 100% right. The data clearly shows that most people just do nothing. Um, they may silently help, but most people do nothing, which is actually um, might as well be doing something you know, bad. Uh, so nothing is not a good answer. And Cheryl, when you, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I when you ask a poll questions, kind of support what Jordan said, uh, and, and Mary, that almost half of you answered that your supervisors or admin just accept that it's happening. I'm surprised that a third of people say that it's tackled head, head on, and then a quarter say that they just pretend it doesn't happen at all. So um, somebody just re responded in the chat box that says doing nothing means that you're complacent and that you're accepting bullying. So sorry, Dusty, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you saying? I'm sorry, I was going to go back to the question that you asked Mary about whether she thought that a bully would attack an individual or, you know, everyone and, and what was more likely. Oftentimes what I have seen is the bully single out a person, um, but they rotate. So what happens is a bully oftentimes becomes very friendly with the entire department or the new person. And then that person will single someone out one at a time. It's easier for that bully to get everyone on their team when they're singling one person out and rotate that person. So I oftentimes see that as well. It's hmm. a great thought. So a question came in, Jordan, and somebody said, does that mean bullying also comes from super supervisors? So it's interesting that there's a dynamic out there that um, professionals believe that bullying was just peer to peer and that it wasn't that top down. So can you give us some numbers or maybe just data and support that with some data a little bit on how much is top down? What, you know, maybe some general percentages. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Jordan. You should know this stuff. I actually um, have it's like read what Jordan sent. I actually have here. I read what you read. I read what you sent me, Jordan. I promise. I'm like, oh my god, this! I got this. I'm like, I want to comment. This says the lady in blue is amazing. End of this. That's yeah. you. That's you. Go um, for it. I think it was it was like 67 percent of the time. Actually, it happens from top down. Is and yeah. so I remember reading that thinking. Wow, 67% of the time, it's actually coming from a supervisor. Um, and it's going down the line. Um, so, yes. That's, that's uh, Jordan, you have some competition. Somebody just said the lady in blue is amazing. Oh, I, like it. I will pay you later. That's, 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 that's reinforcement for uh, crap floats downhill. Um, top down, but it doesn't have to be tolerated. And I think that's the that's the bigger issue. Um, but the numbers are the numbers, and it's interesting because when you read the numbers, they correspond with what you guys are saying. Um, they, they almost line up identical. So we know there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. Um, and the latest numbers we have, we talked about people that didn't do anything. It's around 40 to 42 percent that actually do nothing. 15 percent help in private. Um, only about 10 percent actually help publicly. Guys, if you work with me. I will probably punch the bully in the throat. I'll probably end up in HR and fired from the job. It probably is not a good situation. Um, you know, I might, and my thing, what I chose to do was um, publish all this stuff and then find another job because uh, essentially, and we'll get into this about retaliation and that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that coming up, but uh, you know, it gets into what we've talked about before boundaries and things like that. Yeah, I agree. I was actually, I remember that data point because I was really surprised by it. Um, because, and I guess that's maybe my mentality being in leadership that I wouldn't ever do that to someone or I attempt not to, um, probably the first thing that I evaluate when someone comes to me with an issue that either I'm, I'm involved in, or I'm, I'm close to, or I somehow have an interaction is, is like, my first question in my head is like, okay, what can I do to make sure that I'm not the asshole? 
you know, like, what am I going to do? What am I thinking about here to make sure that it's not me? So I remember reading that and I was really surprised um, because human nature dictates that we're somewhat afraid of authority. So sure. if 63 or 67% of the time this is coming from an authoritative figure, it would be really hard to speak up and say something and to deal with it. Well, I think in a lot of the radiologic sciences, you know, we get into why this occurs and it's sometimes, and I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of this, but people fear kind of fearful for their job and there's nowhere to go. So upper admin sometimes knows that. And the thing that, one of the things that pisses me off the most is when people say, be thankful you have a job. It's the worst form of bullying ever. It's the dumbest. That doesn't give you an excuse to treat people like crap. Um, but that's that's a big reason and our profession has experienced that because there's not a lot of lateral movement and being able to go without, you know, changing total professions or something like that. So then it becomes something that's um, tolerated. Uh, and that's unfortunate because there's long term consequences for that. And we'll talk about some of that. Go, Dusty, go. Go. So one of you know, one of my questions and this is for Jordan is what do you do? How do you. When you're that person, you want to speak up and you want to protect the person who's being bullied and you go to that supervisor and you realize that bully is in that supervisor's back pocket. What do you do then? Because you have taken the correct approach and nothing has been resolved. You feel okay, like that was useless. And should you do that again? So if you ask that question, I was going to say we got a question sent to us just when the um, the emails went out about this this show. So somebody sent a question in and said, could you please address this? And Dusty, that goes straight to your point. Somebody said in a question that was sent to us previously, how do we empower and encourage our staff who are the subject of manipulation to speak up against the person doing it? So that goes to your point, Dusty, if you feel like you're following the right channels, and nothing's getting done, how do you then encourage another staff member? Or if it's happening to other staff, how do you give them the support that they need if they feel like their um, concerns aren't being met? So Jordan, if you wanna kind of speak to all of that, but I did want to let y'all know that somebody had asked us sort of the same question, so I wanted to address everything at one time. So the first thing before you can go there, and Cheryl, I mean, we can go over it now or later, but I think you have to know why they are doing the behavior they're doing. Um, before you can really have an approach. And I think the why is really, um, to Mary's point, a lot of people are just illusion artists. So it's an appearance thing. So that's why passive is more, um, probably more prominent than the, the aggressive approach. Um, a lot of times it's just overcompensation for a lack of skill set. So they lack the insight about their own shortcomings. So they really use that. It's a diversion tactic. Um, it lets them avoid taking responsibility um, and it could be the work environment. You know, it was done to me, so then I'm going to do it. So you have that uh, lack of mentorship. That's another really big one that we see is they don't have a mentor. Uh, so to Mary's point, when we're putting ourselves in check and I'm reviewing myself, it's like, what am I teaching somebody else? Um, and then uh, we talked about tradition, uh, you know, it was done to me. And then the biggest reason that it occurs is tolerance. So we have a huge amount of tolerance and we have a low amount of accountability and that's why it occurs. Now, that being said, if you if you move forward um, and it's, how do you address that? I mean, so you're gonna go, the first thing is, is the bullying, um, is the bully, you know, that the person being bullied, how are they dealing with it? Because I'll tell you this, uh, in the research we call, you know, tease the target, tease the perpetrator or the bully, 
um, generally the target um, ends up basically no longer employed and they leave for various reasons. They quit, they're fired, they're forced out, um, they're transferred. Only probably about 22 to 25% of the time is the perpetrator actually punished. Now that's actually, that number is coming up just due to kind of the publicity of the situation. But um, if you're going to step in, you need to understand what the consequences could possibly be. I know it sounds really beautiful and there's no retaliation. Let me tell you, that's not necessarily the way it always works. It sounds great on an HR piece of paper that you sign. This is something that HR has failed at miserably and they know it um, and they're addressing it. And that's part of the reason at the casual conference, um, we're actually having a, an HR specialist come in and talk about some of this because there is huge change now. And HR has been way behind the ball game way behind the curve and as a matter of fact they've probably um by not by unintentionally they've encouraged some of this by how they've dealt with it and now it's like you've got to straighten the curve um so that's where we're at but i think the biggest thing is if you're going to step in and you want to help somebody you just need to know um what could it cost you um what kind of headache and you need to be willing to take that on some people are not um so i think that you have to do a self-evaluation Lots of people want to do the right thing, but for whatever reason, they can't. This gets back to what we also talked about is do your actions align with your, your right. word? Um, 1963, long before I was born, but there was the Kitty Genovese murders in Chicago. I always bring this up, but literally she was raped and stabbed repetitively. And there were like 42 lights that went on in an apartment complex that looked down on her and then 42 lights went off. And then the killer came back and finished her off and killed her. Now, was any one person guilty? The answer is probably not, but what it was was diversion of responsibility. Everybody thought somebody else would do something and nobody right. did anything. And that's the biggest thing. Um, so anyway, not to be long-winded, but that's a long-winded answer to that question. You're always long-winded. Um, so uh, uh, speaking to Jordan's, you always have lots of good things to say. How about that, Jay? Um, and I will say one thing that has affected some career decisions that Jordan and I have both made, because like I said, we've been, well, and Dusty knows this very well too. Um, if you can't, there's, Jordan and I both came to, to um, crossroads where we had to make decisions. And you know, if you can't change what's happening, in your environment, sometimes you have to change where your environment is. And that is a hard decision to make. And I think that's what he was saying that just because you want to sound like you're making a difference or just because you want to sound like something's gonna change doesn't mean that it's always gonna change. And you have to be willing to make some really hard decisions. So Mary, um, somebody said we do speak up, but nothing's taken care of and the behavior just continues. So Jordan talked a lot about tolerance. Why do you think if this cancer is spreading in the department, why does administration, why do managers overlook it or push it under the rug? Why do they tolerate that type of disruption in their departments? I think it's either extremely awkward or they don't know what to do with it. They really don't. Um, so first of all, I think if you have someone who's becoming silent and shutting down, you have to recognize that. So one, I don't think they have the skill set to recognize it. Um, I think people, if you come to me with it, I probably recognize it, but I just don't know what to do. 
Um, so one of the things that I often do is if, if someone comes to me and this is my, this is my cheat. So I'm giving this out to a lot of people. I'm, I, hope, um, I always, if someone comes to me and I'm like, yeah, crap, that's a problem, but I have no idea what to do with that. You know, um, I'll turn around and I'll ask them, what does a resolution look like to you? If I were to solve this problem for you, what does it look like to you? Um, and most a lot of times they have a hard time coming up with something too. So then at least there is a comfort level of, I recognize it, but I don't know what to do. Um, you recognize it, but you don't know what to do. So let's work on this together. Let's move forward with, with the resolution or a solution. Um, but I also have a caveat that I can't guarantee you that I'm gonna make this resolution happen and what it looks like for you. Um, but I'll at least hear you out. Like, what does it look like to you? Um, because to speak to both your points, there's a level of hypocrisy. If I'm not doing anything about it and you're not doing anything about it, then we're not getting anywhere. So. Um, one, I think sometimes they just don't know what to do with it. So they turn a blind eye to it because I don't, I, I recognize it, but I don't know what to do. So I think that's the easiest thing to do when you don't know what to do. Um, so again, ask them what a resolution looks like to them, or what would a solution look like to you? Or if you don't know, let's find one together. So there's a level of, of awkwardness and vulnerability that comes with dealing with that, that a lot of people are not willing to lean into. So Dusty, a question just came in and this one, I know from experience, you know the answer. What do you do if the bully is best friends with the manager? <laughs> well, that was my question to Jordan. What do you do? Um, I've seen this. I've personally experienced this and you, you honestly get to the point where you give up and and you know that you've done everything that you can and you have to let that go and either you leave the position of which i've witnessed numerous people leave a position um or you you stay and you learn to not let that person affect you it's very difficult um and it depends on the situation, on whether or not this is this is something that's evolving, you know, involving, for example, your safety, um, or if it's just something that that you can live with and and deal with. But I don't know the answer to that because I have per personally witnessed this <laughs> and haven't found a solution. I was gonna say, no. do you think chain of command would be applicable in this? Um, do you think it would make it worse or better? I honestly don't know the answer. I'm asked. I'm asking, see, I'm asking you guys for your resolution. Um, so, because to me, if I've dealt with it at one level, then I have a right to take it to the next level. But if I haven't started, I firmly believe in chain of command. So do you think that's an instant where you could take it to the next level and say, hey, and then the next level, and eventually someone's going to, to get so somewhere? Or do you think that's gonna depends, make it worse? It depends on how fast you want to do resolution. So there is a, there is a, there is a secret, uh, there is a secret method to this. And I, and I did use this. Uh, Come on, during, I broke my secrets out, Jordan, break them out, bust them out. Was, for me, it was called the law of four. It was find who that individual is and go four levels above their head. Now, when you do that, you better know exactly what's fixing to happen because people are going to take it very, very seriously. In my case, I went as far as writing letters to the president and chancellors and deans of a large academic institution and i knew what was going to happen um so at that point like i had another job lined up because i thought that that may go that way um but i, I think there there it depends on how far you're willing to go and exhaust and for me it wasn't even this is what's crazy and i because i say it wasn't my fault 
I was somewhat victim to it. I mean, you guys, I feel like everybody on here is family. You know me by now. You know what my boundaries are, what I'm going to tolerate. But like I watched people like fearful get have divorces, self-medicate at work. And this is in healthcare, like crazy stuff because of and I'm like, how does this happen? And how's everybody turn a blind eye to it? Like we're dealing with patients. Who's going to get hurt like because of this? And nobody really wanted to address it. Um, but I think uh, there are methods to where you can break that chain of command if you're not getting a resolution. Now, to Dusty's point, if it's the person, then you're going to have to break the chain of command because if that person is the problem, then you've got to go above them. The problem is, is if vertical sabotage has already occurred. So if that bully has already gone to that person and you've already been singled out, then you're going to lose that battle at that area. And that's why I chose the law of four, just banking on the fact that they haven't gone that high yet that I could beat them to the top, which, which worked. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, but no, I think that's the thing is people don't realize the effects and what it looks like. You know, I know people are putting in questions, but, you know, whether you're self-medicating, it's poor concentration, clinical depression, um, you know, all the way down to strokes, headaches, sweat, you know, violent. and the last one, I can't, what's that? Lots of weight loss. Lots of weight loss. And the other one I'll put on here that I take very, very seriously, especially today, is uh, is violence and suicide. And these are polar opposites, but they have the exact same um, mechanism that drives it. And so somebody can get so far and be so impacted that they take their own life. But on the flip side, um, there are people that when they snap, they snap. And if they come in, um, you know, I, I always try to be nice to everybody because I always say, I don't want to be on that list. If somebody does go postal, I don't want to be on that list. But I think, you know, that stuff happens. We read about it all the time. You hear about it on the news. Somebody goes into work and and that didn't just happen that day. And that's what drives nuts. the media is like, oh, they just they just went crazy. No, whatever was going on, it didn't just happen yesterday and they reacted today. It was long term. It had been going on a while. And so I think that's and that's where HR has become a lot more um, hyper vigilant and looking at some of this, this stuff. So, Ted, I want to do that last question, um, that last poll, because we've had a couple of questions come in. And so, Jordan, I'm going to go back to you since you just mentioned HR. Somebody asked what legal recourse is there through HR um, and that kind of goes to that level of hierarchy there. And then somebody else asked about physicians. So what if your physician is the bully, but you don't really have any, there, there's really no supervisor there to go to um, because physicians don't report to that group. So what are the legal, what's the legal recourse in HR and what if it happens to be a physician, Jordan? So there are anonymous um hotlines that you can report to within the institution where you can remain anonymous. You can also identify yourself. Um, <clears throat> there is an organization, the SHREM, which is um, basically their, their design. It's HR. It's an HR organization, but they did a survey, and I'm just sitting here to see if I can find it, the SHREM bullying survey uh, for workplace bullying, and they actually did one, and I'm looking at it now, um, but and this is an old survey. I mean, this one looks like it was back in like 2013. So it's an old survey. Um, but you can remain anonymous. You can identify yourself. Um, 
There are, just like with any whistleblower, there's non-retaliation clauses that they're not supposed to be able to retaliate. I think you need to understand that odds are somebody's going to find out. Um, and uh, that's where the issue always was is, so then are you singled out? Um, what happens at that point? Um, if it's a physician, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Now, I will tell you this. Um, tolerance for that, you know, we always used to talk about the OR doctor that used to throw stuff across the room, but they were allowed to get away with whatever they want because they brought a lot of revenue in. Um, who dealt with this probably the best just because they had a big profession um, as obviously nurses. Uh, you hear the story, I don't know if anybody knows about this, where nurses stopped an entire surgery. The doctor was going on a tirade and literally they stopped the entire thing and everybody froze and that was it and they basically had reached their tolerance level and through being a, a unified front now it's also you got to be careful because you don't want it to be like a rally the troops deal because what you're going to find is if you go and try to rally the troops um when you get closer to the finish line you're going to be about maybe one of the only troops there there are other troops have kind of trickled off everybody's <clears> gung-ho <throat> first until it started the ball starts to get rolling so again i think when you do this you need to decide is it worth the effort is it worth the energy is it worth the focus is it worth the fight is it worth the stress um what am i willing to give up how far am i willing to go is it easier for me to just try to change my environment like cheryl said all that has to be evaluated for you personally before you start down any road so ted if you'll stick the um, answers up there the results of that poll and you know, those last three, I won't say they're split evenly, but they're they're fairly split there, um, which which is a little different than some of the other data, which said that, you know, it's a lot of top down. More of you are seeing it peer to peer. But there's also a pretty heavy number of physicians in there as well. So most most of you are seeing peer to peer. Some supervi supervisors and physicians are split kind of evenly there. Thank goodness your um, CEO isn't isn't bullying too many of you out there. So Mary, I'll ask you um, again, if it were a physician, because this has come up a couple of times here in the, the question, if it were a physician, because somebody said, all phys even physicians have somebody they report to. Say everyone has a book. Exactly, that they report to. And I think, Jordan, I think we discussed this maybe in when we did the ethical discussion or talking about unprofessional behavior because this really fits into unprofessional behavior. It also talks a lot about workplace culture. But, you know, I think I told the story of working with a surgeon because surgeons, for whatever reason, are, you know, historically nasty sometimes. How do you handle that situation? Because it seems that back to Jordan's tolerance, or this is just the way it's always been done. Everybody knew who that nasty surgeon was, and it just what you you know you drew the short straw that day or whatever. How do you deal with that in your in in the moment? I have to go work with this surgeon or you know physician or whatever, or is there a way for you to separate yourself and with your own integrity and your own professionalism, saying, I'm not gonna, like Jordan said about the nurses, I'm not I'm not doing this, I'm not gonna be treated that way. So Mary, how do you handle that physician um, interaction right there in the moment? I think the first thing you have to do is you have to go in with, what am I willing to tolerate? You have to decide that. Um, if it's if it's my job and I'm gonna do this, then, then do it. Um, but no, if this comes to a patient safety issue, if this comes to an employee safety issue, that's my threshold, that's my boundary, that's when I'm going to speak up. 
and then know in your mind until it reaches that point, I'm going to, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to do my job um, because only I can control my actions and people miss really great things and they're preoccupied by secondary factors. So maybe sometimes you have to think to yourself, okay, here's my threshold, here's my boundary. Once it gets to that, I'm going to speak up. Until that fact, I'm not. I'm going to do my job. Um, and then maybe think about it more afterwards. Like I said, everyone has a boss. And sometimes you miss the obvious bosses. They don't have to be upper level administration. Maybe it's uh, somewhere in, um, maybe it's someone on the board. Maybe it's someone as a community member. Um, you know, we're a litigious society and people are afraid of that. Right. So um, you have to be thinking, maybe don't miss your obvious audience if you want to do something. But as far as going in um, and dealing with that, like right in the moment, I think as long as you've set that personal boundary and you know where you're going to speak up. Um, and I think Jordan makes an excellent point. I know. Damn. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan. Uh, we're gonna get Jordan t-shirts made. <laughs> I heart Jordan. I want one. Yeah, I heart Jordan. Um, you you have to know where your time and energy lies. You know where are my time and energy boundaries? How much time and energy am I willing to put into this? Am I willing to give someone else of my emotion and my time? Okay. Um, and but I think there's a great YouTube video. I don't know. I'll try to look it up and share it. Um, like where someone's leading a dance and it's about leadership principles, and one person starts dancing crazy, and then all of a sudden they have one other person dancing crazy. But it's not the first person that takes a lot of courage, it's the second person that takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, and then all of a sudden you have the second person and someone sees two people, so then there's four people and then there's eight people. So um I would, I would look for that environment as well. Even if maybe I don't want to be the first person to show up today, maybe I can be really impactful and I can be the second person to show up today. So um, you said earlier that we're all seventh grade girls. Yeah. I would like to add that we could be seventh grade boys as well because they're equally oh, dramatic. I've raised, I've raised I, both. I have a seventh grade boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we had to have the talk the other day that you know I did make the conscious choice to save your life when you were an infant. Like I could have laid you down and walked away. Yeah, we had to have that conversation. Like I love you, sweetheart, but yeah, and you, yeah. you still have some years to go. So uh -huh. if we can all be seventh grade girls, our boys, and yeah, spread this cancer. Mm -hmm. Dusty, what does that peer look like? And you know, I'm asking you this personally. What does that peer look like that is supporting that person that needs it? What do you do for that person if you know? If, if somebody's been singled out or if it's their lucky day or if they made made the rotation, how do you as a coworker and a peer and hopefully a friend, what do you do for that person in the situation? You try to be that person's person. Um, you check in on that person. Sometimes it's every day. Sometimes it's every hour. Um, if you're in a situation where you have witnessed this, you know when that person needs to be checked on and you know how to, to try to support that person. Um, you may not solve the problem. Um, you can try to solve the problem. Like I said, I've experienced that and it's not happened. So in that, in that point um, where you know you have the point of no return and you went where you needed to go, then you provide that person with all you can provide at that point. Um, you know, it's a difficult situation. 
And I have witnessed this numerous times. I've witnessed this with my students and I've witnessed this with colleagues as well. Um, but they have to have someone that they can talk to. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think you're spot on. I mean, somebody's gotta have some, somebody's gotta be somebody, somebody basically. Right. Um, and I go back to, you know, I always say this, you can't, uh, you can't do life alone. Okay, so somebody's got to be there for somebody. You know, y'all can hashtag that. We can t-shirt that. Can't be like <laughs> my t-shirt my would say, I have bathroom floor friends. That's what I call them. Like when my life gets to the point where I need to lay on the bathroom floor and I that's the only place I can, I have bathroom floor friends. And so Dusty, I love, I love how you put that because I've had people check on me every hour because they know they're my bathroom floor friends and, and I need that. So the problem is, is awesome. we work in an environment where people don't, you know, we, like you said, you kind of get with the click. Um, and so if you don't fit in the group, just like high school, and I think we have to get over that. Um, Mary, you talked about, you know, what if, what if we ourselves are the problem? And the one thing I'll kind of leave some people with is, you know, are you focused on always having to have the last word? Are you focused on always the spotlight always having to be on you? Um, if a decision that you made fails, are you quick to, to, to take your L on your loss? Or are you quick to blame others? Um, when there's a problem among staff, are you one to, or is this a bully behavior, but one to encourage, you know, deal with it amongst yourselves? That's true to an extent, but at some point you have to step in. And then um, do you view people as, as followers only? Um, another in a department, you know, high turnover is, is a telltale sign um, that there's an internal issue, that there's a culture issue. Um, and then is the truth first or is self-fulfillment first? And that's where the rubber really meets the road because oftentimes what we find out in these situations is personal agenda supersedes the health of coworkers and the department. And you've got, the only way it changes is to get out of a selfless. And there's other world events happening right now that goes back to literally these core characteristics that you could pin down to this. So I think what, um, and you may have been able to pick up from this, that we all have um, some pretty deep experience in this area. And so that's why it was important for us to talk about it. And I think um, one thing, once again, for you to realize is the audience is you're not alone. It's not just about, it's, it's not just happening to you, or it's not just happening in your department, or it's not just happening to the folks around you. And I think one of the most important things that we have said today is even if you can't completely fix it, even if the systems are set up against you, we've still got lots of questions coming in that we're not gonna be able to get to and know that you can always email us and we'll um, answer those for you. But people had different um, ways that this looked in their departments, even if it seems like the system isn't working with you, find your people. Um, if you look at my last LinkedIn post and you can find me on LinkedIn, that's exactly what it says. It says, you know, find your people. And sometimes that group takes some time to refine. You can't trust everybody and you've got to find your people. Um, if you have any other questions about bullying, like I said, you can always email any of us. You can email the info side or you can get a hold of, of Jordan. We'll let you know when those t-shirts get ready. But, um, you know, I think, I, I think one thing you can take from this is even though your situation seems um, 
unbearable and I've been there I, and Dusty was Dusty laid in the bathroom floor with me I've, I've been there even if your situation seems even if your situation seems unbearable there is you can get out of it it may mean you have to change your environment it may mean that you have to talk to a lot more people it may mean that you really have to ruffle some feathers it may mean that you have to go four steps above the person that you thought you know that you were talking to but there you know I don't want to get too mushy or, or whatever I don't want to say there's light you know there there is hope or whatever I'm saying there's a way out there is a way out and hopefully there's some reconciliation especially if this um, bully in your department is really affecting the workplace culture so I'll let any of you wrap this up today um, I did want to say don't forget about the casual conference because we do have some really great speakers we are going to continue some of these great discussions and you get CE credits and you get to enjoy a drink with us so um, look that up on our website but I'll let um, any of you or all of you wrap this up today so that folks can get back to work I just have one statement oh sorry Jordan go ahead no no go ahead I'm just reading the comments that they um, had you're fine you're fine go ahead. okay um you know I had a, a realization when my son was in middle school I have a 14 year old son I have a nine-year-old daughter um when you know they were presented with a bullying situation and the conversation that I had to have as as an adult and you know you want to tell that child that this is middle school and this will be over soon and unfortunately, that's not the truth. Um, and right. sometimes I think as a middle schooler, we think when we grow up and we get a job and we have a life of our own, that all of that will go away. And unfortunately, that is not true. I had no idea that there would be more bullying in my adult life than there ever was in my in my, my middle school years, which is where it's most commonly um, talked about. So one of the comments that just came in, somebody mentioned that they struggle with uh, post from dealing with this PTSD. And please understand that NIOSH, the National Institute on Occupational Safety and Health, does identify this as a form of workplace violence. In the research that was done, PTSD is the third um, type of effect that it has over long, uh, long-term effects. So substance abuse, clinical depression, indecisiveness, shame, guilt, insecurity, all those things. So I think that's important. And, and again, that's why we have to be there for each other. Um, off topic, somebody brought in a question, you know, somebody test positive for, for COVID. This is interesting because I, I do want to tackle this. They test positive for COVID a patient does what's the staff's responsibility what's management's responsibility for notifying the staff and what's staff's responsibility for notifying patients and the reason i mention this is on a alaskan airlines flight last week a individual tested positive he got home and the mother of the son called the airline and said listen my son just tested positive he is now symptomatic you guys, you know, let the other 117 people that were on the plane and the CEO or the, the organization, Frontier Airlines, I mean, y'all can look it up as Alaskan or Frontier, said it's not their responsibility. They weren't going to let anybody know. Um, I have a huge problem with that because like you paid a ticket and, and so I don't know what your healthcare policies are, but I think we all owe that as a social responsibility. It's kind of like wearing a mask, you know, wear your damn mask, people. It's not, I mean, I know nobody wear their mask and I get it and it sucks and it's hot. And let me tell you, you hadn't, don't worry about it until you come to Mississippi on a hundred degree day with a hundred percent humidity, wearing a mask and wearing glasses, knowing every time that that breath comes out, you can't see a damn thing because your glasses fogged up and you need windshield wipers on them. Listen, 
I get it, okay? But there's some level of social responsibility we have not only for ourselves, but to our, our, our fellow human beings, our fellow colleagues. And, and those are the people I want to surround myself with. And I think that you guys do too. So um, y'all have contact information on here to contact us. We'll do, we're going to do a couple of follow-up webinars to this one, um, but reach out, let us know um, mm -hmm. what's going on. Let us know if you, you, you need an outlet. I'm not coming to beat anybody up. Um, I'm not a big guy, guys, so I just had to bring some reinforcements with me. Um, I'm fine. I'll bring the, I'm good. There you go. I'll bring, I'll bring the girls with me. They got my back. Um, but anyway, back. I got your back. But I think that's key. If y'all need somebody, I mean, that's what we're here for. Just don't feel like you're doing this stuff alone. Um, and, and nobody's been down this road. And, and that's what I'll leave you with. Um, so yep. that was y'all go ahead. People with too is just be, be actionable in your life. I mean, we were just talking about that before our webinar started. If, if you're unhappy or something is is really weighing on you, be actionable um, towards progress and know that the middle is messy, um, but the middle is where progress is made. So be prepared for that. Well, I, too, I guess I said I was done leaving stuff out. Quit, quit. <laughs> I just, it, it comes to my head. It's like a rabbit trail. I just want you to have the last word, Jordan. Don't, I know that's a bullying behavior, damn it. That's, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not going to have the last word, but don't leave your life for, for likes on social media either please um it's way more important listen we're all jacked up and everybody looks like they have it together on social media so don't live for the likes um and too many people do that and that that bothers and i think that fuels a lot of this because you're like damn my life's falling apart and these people look like they got it together let me assure you they don't have it okay they don't so, they're on anyway, the bathroom floor too yeah they're on the bathroom floor too they just I mean making it look better but it's all right they still jacked up um, Dusty, you get to have the last word, so I'm not a bully, and I appreciate that. My last word would be to find your tribe. Find your people. So thanks, everybody. Um, this was a great show. We plan to do this once a month, and we're going to continue to cover some controversial topics. So we've done bullying. We've done unprofessional behavior. We've done some ethics. We did burnout. So we've got lots to talk about. There's lots going on out there. So we'll be doing this, this segment once a month. Join us at the casual conference because we're going to talk about some hot stuff there as well. And we will see y'all soon. Awesome. Bye, everybody. All right, are we all flying online?